Hey everyone, you're listening to a brand new episode of the Saul Searching Podcast only on the FYIZ podcast feed. I'm John, and in this episode, my friend Aaron Oliver James pops in to discuss the sixth episode of Better Call Saul's sixth season called Axe and Grind, which was written by Ariel Levine and directed by the guy who plays Gus Fring as well as many other great parts, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. And yes, we've all been saying it wrong. It's not Esposito. I found out this week. It's Esposito. Um, so yeah, you've already learned something. Or maybe you already knew that. Anyway, here's Saul Searching. All right. Well, uh, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on Saul Searching to uh, to be a big old nerd with me about uh, Better Call Saul. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, I knew that you were the sort of person who, when you get into something, you sort of get into it. And I'd seen you theorizing about television shows, and some of them were ones that we we both liked. I think you and I both were, were great lovers of Cersei on uh, on Game of Thrones. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. how baller she was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I loved her and her, like, freaks, like when she was in control and everybody that worked for her was some kind of weird evil freak. Um, Absolutely. So, so, yeah, I knew that we we shared some of those tastes. And when when it was like, oh, who who, who have I not tapped to uh, talk to on this show about Better Call Saul, I noticed that you were you were binging it maybe around the same time that Ronald was binging it. Um, so since I talked to your husband, Ronald, last week, why not talk to you uh, this week about the show? Now, did you just watch all of it very recently or had you been watching it all along? Yeah, so I had this amazing thing called maternity leave, and I was trying to figure out, you know, during the course of the day, you're just kind of strapped to a baby, and all you can really do is watch uh, television if you could do anything. Um, so I got stuck in Better Call Saul. I was like, well, let me try this out. I see, I really love um, Bob Odenkirk, and I was just like, I've always enjoyed the stuff that he did, and then I really liked that that movie that he did nobody and i was just i just liked him as a as a as a person so i was just like well let me just get into it and i liked him on um on breaking bad but i just never got into better call Saul. i don't know why and now that i've binged it i really don't know why only for the benefit that i got to watch the majority of the series all at once which which actually you know i i, I really enjoyed it so i started on a friday and then that tuesday i was I was finishing it up. So it was, I got sucked all the way in and I really, I just really enjoyed it a lot or I'm still enjoying it. I'd always wondered about that with regard to like what a weekly show it is, because it is a show that like takes it out of you week to week. Mm -hmm. And there's a point to watching it that way. You know what I mean? Where you are sort of like on, on tenterhooks for another week waiting to see what, what's going to happen. But I, I also sort of envy anybody who could sit down and say, I'm just going to watch this at my own pace, because okay. then you could always decide you, you don't want to watch more of it. But it is the kind of show where it's, it's, I mean, it's maybe weird to say this, but it's kind of a hangout show. You, it dwells on the details. It lets you see all these scenes that show like people's lives in this kind of, ex you know, some people might say excruciating detail. <laughs> I love that stuff. They, they tend yeah. to pay stuff off pretty well. But even if a sequence is just there to give you like character, like uh, this week's episode, we got this sequence of Howard uh, making, a, um, I guess that was a cappuccino. I don't know if that was a cappuccino or yeah, a latte. It was a latte. 
for his estranged <laughs> wife. But he he did the little uh, peace sign, which is very namaste of him. Um, but I mean that little sequence. Of course, Howard is the sort of guy who has who does it right and has the machine in his home. But th- they really lingered on that. And I don't know that another show would have spent like a few full minutes depicting like the making of a of a coffee drink like that. Absolutely, because we were all the way in on him just putting it together and making the peace sign. I was impressed, you know, I was sitting there just like, wow, you know, um, I really took it in. And then how, you know, she poured it and it was no peace in the house. (laughs) That was unceremonious. That was brutal. That was like, That broke my heart. Yeah, that really did. That did. I mean, I think they're they're making us feel Howard's humanity, uh, which must mean that something awful is, is, you know, coming. We kind of feel that. We know that. But... But they they doubled down on it with that scene. There was not a glimmer of hope uh, in in his interaction with his his. It seems like they're in the house, but they're estranged. Um, right. And do you a notice huge she, house that she said I, I'm having dinner with the Appels? I think was the name she used. But it was like when she's going to have dinner with a couple, and it kind of sounds like maybe it would be like, well, why aren't both of them going to have dinner with the Appels? But it's like, and he's not even saying, oh, you know, he just is like, tell him I said hello or whatever. So yeah, maybe things are worse than it even seemed. Well, she's like, we're not together and I'm going to let everybody know we're not together. Right, yeah. I'm hanging out with our friends. I've, cl- I've claimed the appels. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you think of Howard uh, just as a character? I mean, you've done it in this binge. In the, in the original wow. viewing of the show, you start off really feeling like he's going to be kind of the, um, I think uh, Jimmy even calls him Darth Vader um, yeah. in one of the first episodes. But like, you think he's going to be that guy. And every step of the way, we've seen that maybe he's got better intentions than we thought, or maybe there's more there than we thought. But what do you think of Howard? And do you feel at all bad for him that, that it seems like th- that, you know, he's, he's doomed somehow? <laughs> I actually do. So Howard, um, so what I always thought, especially at the beginning of the show, since I, since I binged it, <laughs> um, I think I actually had, um, I think I had um, really good feeling. Well, not I won't say really good feelings. Well, I'll say I had sympathy for Howard, and even even his brother, um, even Chuck. Was it Chuck? I could. I had I had sympathy for both of them somewhat in the beginning, um, and then Chuck went too far for me. But um, but I think because Chuck was so much further gone than Howard. I always had something in the back of my head was like, Howard is not that bad. Howard is Howard isn't because I honestly believe that he would have given Jimmy an opportunity Mm -hmm. um, had Chuck not been so, you know, you know, Jimmy can't do this. Jimmy can't be a part of this because he I mean, he knew who Jimmy was. But even still, I think Howard would have gave Jimmy more of a shot. And I think that um, Howard is like this guy that has to be really buttoned up. But I think I also felt bad because even in the beginning when they talked about how his father was the one that really owned the the law, the law firm. And then that's basically how Howard got in. So obviously, and Chuck was the, was the smartest one. So he wasn't the smartest lawyer. He didn't get in on his own merit (laughs) essentially. So I think for people like that, even though there, there's obviously a privilege in it and, you know, he's kind of getting things handed. There's also this idea that everybody knows that about you. And so that, so I think I've always kind of had a little bit of a soft spot. I just didn't think that all the stuff that Jimmy is doing, I thought it was, <laughs> that was a bit much. I thought the bowling balls, the prostitutes, I thought all of that was a lot. Um, and so I'm trying to, you know, I'm, you know, I'm waiting to see what this, this payoff is going to be what they're going to actually do to him to kind of, you know, the drug use, all of this stuff. I'm trying to wait to see what they're going to do, but 
I've always had something like a soft spot for Howard. Um, Cause even when he was really nasty, I remember when another reason why I think it's ridiculous. I didn't watch the show because in my previous life I was a lawyer. And so when they were doing stuff, when he forced Kim to do doc review earlier um, in the series, I was like, Oh, so he really, he's really bad. So that means just sitting there looking at documents, finding, finding like, you know, maybe a word or something like that. So I was like, he's really, um, I thought he treated her um, unfairly a few times. So I, so, but even with that, I think that each season, they always give you a little piece that says he may not be as bad as you think he is. I mean, he was going to therapy, obviously he's got things going on at home. Um, He's, he, isn't always really he isn't really vicious to Jimmy like he he has these moments where they're where they may go back and forth but it, I don't even think he disliked him I think I think some of I think a part of him actually may like him a little bit somewhat um but I think that he just you know they're two different people from you know two different worlds and you know Jimmy is who Jimmy is and Howard is how who's who Howard is so but mm-hmm. I I've always kind of felt that way about Howard I never was He's 100% bad. Well, I think that it's almost like Chuck became the guy that you thought Howard was going to be. Right. He was the one who, like you said, even though you sort of, you had a lot of sympathy for Chuck, you saw how Chuck was, I don't know, a very painful portrayal of like that kind of person who defies your ability to be sympathetic towards them because they're so nasty. And sometimes people are that way that like, they just push you away. They push you away too hard. And you're like, okay, I can't be here for you but even you know i don't know that that was a painful story but i think that in the in light of that it was almost like maybe the writers realized oh it's more interesting than if chuck was kind of along for the ride of all that uh, i mean if uh, howard was kind of along for the ride and all that stuff and that and chuck was actually the one driving the keeping jimmy out which is what we find out and you're right that howard's right. treatment of kim is like the worst thing we've seen him do even that you could rationalize as some kind of like b- bullshit mentoring where you expect more from somebody but right. we can still we still know that's kind of nasty, and I guess you might know. I, 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 you mentioned that your your past life was as a lawyer. I, I I did think this is the first time I've had someone on this podcast who's actually studied the law. So I, I do wonder <laughs> if these are like recognizable types, or if there's any if this is just pure fantasy land, or if they these no. types of lawyers and the kind of motivations are kind of grounded in real people. And what what you think of that? Absolutely. Well, so. Um, Howard and Chuck make complete sense to me. I think that just law school, you run into a lot of these people. Um, and, and especially with, I guess with Chuck, there were, there's a lot of people that basically feel like the law and and maybe it should be this way, but I think sometimes that the law belongs to a certain type of person in a sense. And Mm -hmm. like, so, and, and I, and I get the idea of it if you really want to think of it as, but, but in my situations, um, (laughs) when you run into the law belongs to a certain type of people, you kind of exclude a lot of people, um, that can be really good advocates for, um, for people. So, you know, I, Chuck, I've definitely recognized Chuck before. I've had professors that had some Chuck energy. Um, Howard, definitely. You, it, I don't think it matters what law school you go to. 
you there is a person there that is there because their father was a lawyer and there's like this layers of, of you know this everybody their mom's a lawyer their father's a lawyer their grandfather was a lawyer and so um they're kind of doing it just because that's the family business in a sense um and that might not even that might not be they they might enjoy it but that might not even be their own personal passion but it's almost what's expected of them mm-hmm. so i've definitely run into that and then on the uh People typically aren't outwardly Jimmy's in my experience in law school, um, but they definitely exist. You run into them, of course. Um, I think I think Jimmy is kind of what people think lawyers are. A lot of lawyers are, I think, for um, for the most part. And I've I've definitely seen them. I'm never it, never as bad as as <laughs> as uh, as Jimmy, but um, yeah, it's um, even with that. I think that you know, he has his moments where he's, he's, he's doing it. You know, there's somebody has to be the advocate for right. the people that he's looking out for. So, and they have, and, and it's their job to do a good job. Now, sometimes he goes over the board, but I have definitely sat there and listened to his arguments and be and said, you know, well, <laughs> he's not wrong. You know what I mean? So it's, um, you want to make sure that, um, you know, it, you are working for, for your client, not to the extent, I don't know if you're going and, you know, getting $6 million out of the desert and, right. you know, <laughs> you know, avoiding prosecution and stuff like that. Maybe not doing all of that, but I, there have definitely been moments where I've, you know, I've been on his side. Um, and because of him, he was able to figure out the, you know, the sandpiper, um, the, the retirement home and stuff like that. So, because he keeps an eye out for stuff like kind of the little guy not getting, getting, um, getting what's owed to him. So you got to appreciate that as well. Well, so. he's he's tenacious, and I think that like mm-hmm. maybe not always in the right direction, but like yes. you mentioned the sandpiper thing. I was going to mention when you said like you know the, the recent examples is him you know carrying money for a drug uh, kingpin, right? That's bad. Um, or at least right. we can sit in our suburban existences and say that's bad you know you shouldn't be doing that um but uh but the yeah earlier like that you were seeing that same kind of moxie but it was digging remember when he was it was the dumpster and he was having like uh diapers dumped on him and shit like that in the dumpster absolutely looking for the proof that people were getting screwed over so there's a side of him that's the you know the little guy uh, going up against Mm -hmm. the big guy um i think it's interesting how the show plays that because there is the potential for this show to have been all about him taken on these these clients that no one else wants to touch, you know, and right. what that would mean. But instead, I do think it's a little bit like the background humor. They've always depicted Saul Goodman's clients as just like like central casting like dirt bags. It's just so funny. The They're just the worst. They, they, their manners are bad. They, they <laughs> like they've gone out of their way to to not make it seem like these are the people that Kim, for instance, is wanting to represent. The people who really right. do have like maybe they need representation and they're being caught up in the system. It always right. seems like the people that go to Saul are the people who are probably in the wrong <laughs> and just they just need a good weasel to fight for them, you know. And and right. but but I think you're right. We do love I've said all along about him as a character that we like weasel. I think I think people don't want to admit that they like weasels, that they like people who can like wiggle their way out of trouble as they're getting into more trouble. Like we like to watch characters like that survive. We want to see them suffer, but we want to see them survive. It's why when the Howard and uh, 
uh, Jimmy fight, you don't mind that Jimmy gets knocked out by Howard because that seems right. like what should happen. <laughs> Even though we like Jimmy, <laughs> it's like, you know, it seems like he, he need that's coming his way every now and then because that's the nature of who he is, is that he'll take the punch, um, but he'll have, an, he'll have a plan behind taking a punch, right. you know? So what do you think about Kim? Is she, a, is she sort of a, a recognizable person? Um, Kim is very interesting to me because... I think Kim is probably, um, so I say, I'll say yes. Yes. in the idea that I think a lot of people go to law school and then they join these huge firms and they, they have to take those jobs and they hate them. Like they can't stand them. They, you know, I've, I've met so many people that were just like, you know, I'm going to work at this large firm, make, you know, you know, so much, like a bunch of money and then do it for like five years. And then I'm done, pay off my loans. And then, you know, I'll do something like, you know, own a parking lot. (laughs) I've literally heard somebody say, I just want to own a parking lot after this. (laughs) Um, So, um, but, and then they get joy in fighting for those people that have been done wrong by the system or those people that did not have proper representation. Um, And, you know, it's, this was a really, interesting episode for that like i to be honest i really wanted more kim stuff um because i've been so interested to just kind of know more about her um but this you know when you know she brought up the fact that the the officer was basically just looking looking for this one person and you know he had never he he's come he's um only made a couple of citations regarding this particular law but he made sure that this particular um, person, you know, was, it was cited for, for, for whatever it was. I can't, I forgot what the actual incident was. It was, was. an obstructed uh, window window, but it was basically yes. just like a, a an air freshener hanging from the rear view. And that's a real thing. So that's, oh, I'm sure. so yeah. And so what's so, I, that's something that I, it's so funny. Like, I don't know why I'm, I probably got distracted for a second, but the, I remember, um, you know, you think about how many people have things hanging from the um, from their rearview um, rear mirror, and I think about like you know people that graduate from college and high school that have their tassel hanging or their air freshener or all things. I have I have a thing that hangs from mine that um, that Bromo got me that holds my phone so I can you know do um, my GPS or whatever. So it's like you know things are hands free. So it's like, it's definitely, it's definitely a thing that, you know, that's illegal in in most states, if not all. And you rarely see someone um, get in trouble for something like that. But if someone, if an officer chooses to do so, they can pull, they can have a legitimate reason to pull somebody over. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and so I think though, I thought it was absolutely, um, I love the fact that she had went to, um, and looked at everybody else's cars and saw that they had things hanging from their win- their um, windshield, um, their rear view mirror as well. The judges too. I thought that was a nice. The judge, <laughs> yes, especially the judge. And I thought that was I I enjoyed all of that. So I that that makes me really really like Kim. But sometimes Kim Kim scares me sometimes. <laughs> to me, Kim is scarier than than Jimmy because he. I think that. 
as as far as he goes, sometimes Kim doesn't have the limits that Jimmy has, and Jimmy's limits are far. You know. Well, you know, Jimmy is is somehow is a pragmatist on some level, yeah. where he's like, okay, like this. Ep- I guess we can kind of jump ahead to the end of the episode. We'll talk a little bit about their plan in a minute. I I don't really, you know, I, I want to maybe see if we can make any sense out of their plan. But um, the way that this episode ends, Kim, she does you know, this defense, she mounts this effective defense that, that seems to us, at least as viewers of a show that's trying to do a, like a cursory job of showing she's a good lawyer. It, it all, it all right. scans. It's like, oh, that's a pretty good argument. And Clifford Maine is there and he, he, he enforces that idea that she just did a good job. And he's like impressed with Kim. And he wants to know how she is with everybody. He asks how she left things with Howard. He's just kind of checking to make sure he's not about to fall into something by, by extending this, this open door to Kim. And right. I just, I'm sort of shocked at Kim like I mean obviously this episode ends with the idea that Kim is willing to shit can the plan to like do things right and just legit which might work out for her great for the sort of does she doesn't want to see all this effort that's gone into this plan of theirs come to nothing and then to your point a second ago Jimmy's being pragmatic he's like he's willing to cut bait and I was so glad it was like it was a nice it was a nice grace note for Jimmy as a character that he was mm-hmm. saying Hey, sweetie, do what you got to do, and I'll be here, and we'll we'll figure this out. Like he was willing to say, "This is a let's cut our losses." Like he's done this before, and said, "Nope, not going to work. Abort, abort." You know, and she's she's not ready to let go of the plan. So in that moment, she is scarier than Jimmy, and he's more reasonable. So often it seems like he's the wild one, but this whole thing with Howard has felt like there's something in it for Kim that goes beyond just the sort of feeling she could do something good because now she's got the option of doing something good without doing anything to Howard. She could, she could completely put the brakes, it seems on the Howard plan and maybe have the access she wants, the resources she wants to really help people that need it. So I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. What did you, what did you think of that ending? I actually may have said something like, no, Kim, (laughs) even though you know she's going to turn around. I mean, of course, but I was so disappointed. I wanted her to go to, you know, the conference that she was on her way to and just handle whatever and, and, and do what, because she, because she really loves, you know, being a criminal attorney and she really loves doing that. Um, she really likes looking out for like, like really looking out for the, for the little guy and working for people that need the right, um, assistance. And I don't know what their plan is. I, and if it leads to, leads to something where she can't be an advocate anymore, right. you know, that's, that's going to be really upsetting. And it's just, but, but it's, it's who Kim is though. I mean, really when it boils down to it, um, you know, she, she loves to be in the courtroom. She loves to, um, she likes to, you know, fight for her clients, but she also likes to get caught up in some mess too. <laughs> like she really does. She really likes to like stick her toe in. And, and, and then now, I mean, now she's jumping all the way in, but she really, you know, when, um, a couple of, I can't remember if it was this season, but when they were doing their little plan where they were um, going up to people and kind of running their own little kind of um, scam on, on individuals, they didn't scam them completely. Like they, they, they got the men on the scam, but they didn't go forward with doing anything to like harm anybody. Um, but when, you know, she was all the way in and, and that was a, that was a Jimmy thing. And she was, she was ready to go at first. It seemed like she was a little bit nervous about it, but then after that, she was ready to go. Well, the season ended. Yeah. Season five really punctuated with that, that idea that, oh wait, maybe she has the ability to actually scare Jimmy a little bit because she was saying, yeah, "Yeah, let's do this thing. And I've got this whole plan. And he had this look on his face, like the way she looked at him 
a season before that when when she found out that his whole speech about Chuck was a sham and that he right. was changing his name. There was that moment where she felt betrayed by how how like um you know, glib he was being about that. And at the, you know, a, a season later, he's looking at her in a similar way, like, oh shit, what is she capable of? <laughs> you know? I mean, even, yeah, absolutely. And even when she came up with the story to Lalo about the bullets and the, the, um, the car getting shot up and things like that. Like I was, I, I mean, <laughs> that was one of the scariest moments for me. I was like, please, you know, I didn't know where this was going to go. Obviously, you know, that Jimmy survives, but yeah. it's, it's just, you just didn't know what was going to happen in that particular moment. And the way she quickly came up with this story about, you know, how his car ended up off of, you know, off of the road with bullet holes in it. And, you know, it's, it was, you somebody she, you definitely want on your side, you know, mm-hmm. you definitely don't want her, were her angry at you or, and I think even, I think that part where Howard, um, I think she felt like Howard underestimated her when he was like, you know, Jimmy's the problem, you right. know, you know, watch out. I think that really, to me, that felt like that was the moment that she was like, yeah, we're definitely doing this. We're definitely going to get him because how dare he think that I can't think for myself and I can't choose who I want to choose to be with. And, um, you know, it was, you know, even though it was something that was, he was really trying to be, you know, Kim, you're, you know, and I guess it is pa- uh, patronizing. Yeah, it's condescending, but it's it, you can it see how it's been, it's almost like parental. There are yeah. times where I, I've I've said so many times about being a dad that so much of it, the worst part of it, is that you just have to go get in someone's face and like yeah. tell them what they're doing that's wrong, or tell. And it's like I don't do that with people, but like yeah, I've got to right. get in somebody's face. And I think that like yeah, he doesn't realize that that feels that there's like a there's a special edge of like a patriarchal kind of misogynist edge to him doing that to Kim when he's. Yeah. Put her through her paces so much, and maybe even there's some of that edge to that stuff too. So I feel like for her, that was maybe a last straw. I can totally see, uh, you know, uh, people reacting to that sort of like, you better watch yourself. This guy's no good. And it's kind of like, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, who right. are you to say? But also, she does love Jimmy on some level. Uh, and I think that like, she's also like, she doesn't, again, it's just that whole, everything about that would, would rub her the wrong way, I think. Yeah. I don't think he thought it would rub her that far. Right. Like just kind of set her off that this way. So, right. Well, let's do. You know, this episode went into Kim's backstory for the, I think this is the second mm-hmm. flashback we've gotten to her backstory um, with an amazingly cast uh, mother and young Kim actors. I mean, they just yeah. do such a great job. The mother, you almost wonder if they've like digitally altered Ray Seahorn because her voice was so dead on and her mannerisms. You could totally That's see true. how Ray Seahorn like. I don't know, or I guess this actress was looking at the performance, but it's like a, a less refined version of the way Kim presents herself. You, but you sense mm. that Kim can go, she could go wild if, if she needed to. I, I don't, you know, she might be able to smash a bottle and, you know, fight her way out of a situation. But like this, this scene really showed us that she wasn't totally just a good girl. The last flashback was that she was out she had her cello and it was like after some kind of school function right. and she wouldn't get in the car with her mother because she could tell her mother was drunk and mm-hmm. and this episode feels like it picks up with the idea that maybe she's almost like reaching out for her mother by doing something that's out of character which is shoplifting um, i found so much like relatable and weird about this scene if you've ever had like a childhood experience with anyone around you getting caught for shoplifting or whether it was true or not but this this moment this idea of being caught and the the manager of the store and your mother having to decide like whether to call the cops this is a very like real moment for young Kim and I do think it's mm-hmm. interesting how it played out that the mother sort of played the part of the dutiful mother and then got out to the car and you find out that she actually 
picked up the earrings that uh, Kim had tried to steal. And I think these are earrings that Kim has worn at different points throughout the show. Yes. Um, which is a nice touch. So those earrings have mm-hmm. a meaning now to Kim that we now realize. So I don't know, what did you make of that opening uh, scene? And what did it say to you about the Kim that we're, we're getting in these episodes? Well, I it, I think it really explains her a little bit more, um, gives us a little bit of information regarding this kind of good good Kim. I don't want to say bad Kim, but maybe not so great Kim. Um, slipping so, Kimmy, you know the slipping Kimmy, absolutely. Um, I think it gives you a look into um, that side of her, and with the with her getting caught with the shop shoplifting and the, the earrings and her mother kind of putting on this. So she's been doing this her whole life. So this, this, this scenario, this kind of life that she's living with Jimmy kind of making these, um, this, the scamming world, <laughs> they've been doing this. She's been doing this ever since she was a little girl, you know um, you know, when her mom was going off and it was funny because I, I knew her mother was, this wasn't a real response from her mother, but I kept on going back and forth. Like, well, maybe, maybe. And it's just like, you know, the initial feeling is absolutely not. Her mom is the kind of, and maybe her mom has like the whole store in her bag or so. Cause she's going through this bag and she's pulling out the money to pay for the, pay for the earrings and the necklace. And she's doing all of this. Yeah, she played and that guy like a fiddle, that, that manager. He did. You know? Absolutely. He, he felt and like it was all his call, but it wasn't his call. Absolutely you know? not. So when she did, she did all of that. And then they're walking out of the store. And then she, you know, that moment when she grabbed her mom's hand and her mom, first of all, when they walk out of the store, her mom, the mom, I don't know if she even got past the man before she started smiling, <laughs> which was very interesting to me that she didn't even wait. Um, so then they're walking right next to the store. And then um, Kim reaches out for her mom's hand and holds her mom's hand. I, that was kind of, I didn't know how to take that. I mean, it was, it was somewhat heartwarming, but then it was kind of sad at the same time because it was like, did she, she's doing this to kind of make her mother, um, you know, feel proud of her because she was able to kind of get away with this situation. So she was like kind of reaching out for love. I might've been reading too much into it, but it's like, felt like she was like re- um, reaching out for love from her mother. And maybe this is how, Maybe because they're so different, you know, obviously, I don't know the previous thing because she's cello. Maybe she's a little, she's obviously a very smart person. Maybe she's a little bit of a nerd. Maybe she's like, maybe this is how her and her mother relate. And it felt like in that moment, um, you know, that's what she was getting. But then after holding her hands for just like a couple of seconds, you know, she lets go and they, they go to the car and her mother hands her the, the earrings and the necklace that she was trying, that she was intending to steal in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, and she looked like, I, I couldn't tell if she was happy about it or she looked kind of like she was, she was disappointed, but she was, but she wasn't. And and then she did this stare that the Kim, that the big Kim does. I was just like, oh my gosh, this little, this little girl is amazing. Like she captured her face like perfectly as she's like staring out this window. Um, you know, it was just, it was a really interesting look at how Kim could be in the position that she is now, you know, with someone that, um, you know, doesn't necessarily follow the rules and kind of, you know, getting love from that or getting some kind of somewhat of an enjoyment from that. But then it's like having this on the other side, like, well, knowing that this is wrong and knowing this is something like, should I be doing this or, or not, you know, so. Like she's disappointed in her mom for not 
really being mad in some level. It's almost like when she yes. holds her hand, it's like she's she's glad to be in trouble or glad to have what feels like a normal moment with her mom or something. And so that when her right. mom is like on her level or whatever, that she's right. like, oh, well, I guess I don't really have the str- like. She's almost like she's instantly disappointed that her mom is okay with it and is willing to kind of push it further. Even though you're right, I do think there might be some kind of like I learned it from watching you to this right. to this move <laughs> that she's pulling. Uh, but it does also seem like, and um, I, you know, uh, Ronald last week said um, that Kim's sort of addicted to shenanigans, and 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 he was actually positing that as a part of the reason why she would not tell Jimmy. Um, about Lalo being alive because mm. she doesn't want Jimmy to get all serious and like she doesn't like that Jimmy that came out of the desert all broken. She doesn't want that. Right. And and after he said that, I was like, oh, that actually makes sense. That answered a question I had of like, why would she not tell him about Lalo? It's maybe she wants this plan with Howard to go off so well. She views like Jimmy knowing about Lalo as like extra. Like that would just be extra right now. He would he would lose focus. You know, maybe after the Absolutely. plan, she would feel more comfortable telling him. But I also think the show this we completely sidestepped the idea of when is Jimmy going to find out because we know Lalo is far, far away doing his own uh, scary Terminator stuff out there in Germany, which we'll get to in just a minute. Um, but but I, di- I did want to talk a little bit more about the Jimmy and Kim stuff because there is this aspect of like that Kim wouldn't tell him about Lalo, but she also clearly is invested in this thing they're doing. I mean, she's kind of distancing herself from Jimmy maybe, but she's also very much in it with him. And at this point, she doesn't seem to be like, I think we might be able to sense a wedge forming here or there, but she doesn't seem to be seeing that as much. Um, I really wonder what the fallout of what they're going to do on on the day, you know, is, you know, that's at the end of the episode, she said, it happens today. It's one of those great lines that they'll use on these shows to like, it's a simple line, but it has this weight to it. Like, you know, um, what was it? Uh, Tread lightly or whatever that was on Breaking yeah. Bad, you know. Um, but it happens today. Is like, shit, man. Whatever this plan is, I guess we're going to finally find out. Um, but what do you think about that idea that, like, they're kind of... It's hard to say at this point, like, who's dooming who uh, with with what's going to happen. You know, the, I do think what you said about Jim, not uh, Jimmy... Uh, if, if he's able to practice law and she's not at the end of this, that is a tragedy of sorts. That, yeah. that That's enough to take away from her. It really is. Um, I, I, I don't know how you feel about some people think that she's going to die or go to prison. I somehow feel like that feels less likely than just that she'll be she'll be ruined. Well, I've, I've seen, I've seen the go, I've seen people talk about the go to prison thing. I don't think that's, I really don't think that's the case. Um, and I don't think she dies either. Um, but I do think that this is, this is going to be maybe the end of her career. I just, because of how this led up, you know, the let, the lead up to this for the fact that she was about to go, you know, essentially be a rewarded for the work that she's done. And she decided that she was not going to participate in that. She was going to turn around and be part of this, be part of whatever the scheme is to get Howard, you know, she's going to be, she's going to make sure that she's a part of it. And I, you know, which is why, you know, you get, you get so upset of seeing her turn around in the middle of the, uh, you know, in the middle of the highway like that, that was insane. I mean, I don't know. It kind of, it kind of broke my heart because I knew, I knew it was going to happen. Of course you knew it was going to happen, but um, it just, you want, I, I, I'm okay. (laughs) This sounds this sounds awful. I'm okay with a little bit of scamming, but don't go too far where it ruins your life. <laughs> and, and she's and she and and I think that that was 
that was the situation. I mean, even the imagery of her going from one side of the highway, turning on that really like dark, like dirt, mm-hmm. <laughs> dark <laughs> center, and then just turning onto the to go the, in the opposite direction. It just lets you know that no good is coming from this. It, it, it's just it just can't, you know. Uh, I don't know how successful they're going to be, um, and and we already know that Jimmy's going to be still practicing law, so we don't know what happens to Kim after this. So um, I'm, you know, it's it's upsetting to see her kind of decide that this is what she's going to choose over moving forward in her career, doing something that she really loves and that she's really good at, and that she does really well. So you know, right? That's tried. Like I think they've done so much this year to set up how much she loves being a lawyer for the right reasons, that right. or doing the kind of practicing the kind of law that she feels is doing it for the right reasons. We've seen so much of that joy and dedication that I think they are possibly setting us up for it, it's enough to say that she loses that, that people Absolutely. won't be saying that's anticlimactic if something truly awful doesn't happen. Because I've thought all along that that's almost like audiences are so bloodthirsty that they think that death is like really the only thing that can happen to a character, you know, when there's really right. worse things and more interesting things than someone dying. Um, I remember Sopranos in particular, people would kind of judge it based on like how many deaths there had been. And it's like, I feel like they were kind of missing the point of the psychological part of the show. And this right. show has always been a little bit less deadly than Breaking Bad, even though you can feel it like some of these things that we're seeing right now could get people in some real trouble i don't think kim dies i i I actually wonder if howard might run afoul of lalo or something like if he's got a guy following jimmy and then you know what i mean who knows what that could lead to um but i don't know what we can get to in one episode uh the plan i have no real idea it seems like maybe they're going to slip something to howard that's going to make it look like he's he's tripping or something to make jimmy's eyes were so dilated the, the dilation yeah and then the pictures of the judge, Judge uh, Rand Casimiro, were supposed to make it look like that judge who's who's presiding over the Sandpiper thing, that he's in cahoots with Jimmy, which, of course, Jimmy, as Saul, is going to play to the hilt the notion that he's crooked, I guess, and, and that he's like going to defame the judge just by being associated with him. That's the most <laughs> I've been able to put together, but I don't see how this all happens on a day. Um, but it obviously is meant to be this grand moment where Howard gets taken down. Any ideas? <laughs> I have, I'm so confused. I have no idea. I mean... I mean, the, the the effort that they're putting into this with the the mustache wall kind of picking out how they're going to do that and how they're going to have the mustache done, um, how the, the judge having a broken arm just kind of, you know, destroyed the whole plan. Um, you know, it's everything that they've kind of put together. I have no idea. Like, I, I'm trying to sit there and try to figure out what in the world they're going to do. And I cannot put it together. Um, obviously, they've been saying that Howard is is on drugs, and so um, and and you know with his and has his uh, you know his his ladies of the evening that he likes to hang out with and stuff like that. So, you know, I assumed it was drug related and stuff like that that they were you know that they were going to say that he's you know he can no longer do his job because he's he's so involved in cocaine or whatever and um, have his eyes dilated and stuff like that. But as far besides that, like, I'm just, I have no idea. I'm just kind of just really waiting to kind of figure out what they're, I mean, to really see what they're going to do to this man. This, I, and this is where I, I'm, like I said, I feel bad for Howard. Like, I just like, 
you know, um, and I and I actually did. You you were right when you know I I I think I think Jimmy is is so entertaining, and I really enjoy watching him. But I thought Howard deserved to kick his butt. I really yeah. did. I thought he really, <laughs> you know, it's it's very rare that you you really enjoy the lead character, but you're okay with them getting beat up or <laughs> right, you know, harmed because they deserved it. You know, so. It's a function of doing business the way that he does business that if, if if you don't occasionally get punched, then it's like it's coming. You know what I mean? It needs to happen yeah. every so often. Otherwise, it's you're just in dread of it. Um, well, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll find out soon enough. I guess we will see some form of the plan, even though the, the guy's arm being broken clearly wrecked their intentions. Um, right. I, I like the way the plan is giving us these little, maybe these are the last looks we'll get at some of these characters, but uh, Dr. Caldero, the... Um, the uh, the crooked vet who wants to go straight yeah um and and his little black book which I I heard someone say that was an Easter egg at the beginning of the season when we saw Jimmy's house or we saw Saul's mm-hmm. house I guess yes. after the events of Breaking Bad it looks like everything's being taken into evidence or something they say that mm. little black book was one of the things in the house um mm. and there are supposedly lots of things in that opening sequence that are clues that we don't know what they were when we first saw them but that will would mean more now but that idea you know that had the business card of the disappearer played by robert forster the guy who runs out of the vacuum repair shop and gets mm. you know, helps you disappear so we've always wondered how does jimmy know or how does saul have that number but it doesn't seem like mike knows who that is right um so this would be the only way or one of the only ways that jimmy could find out something that mike wouldn't know um and then, of course, seeing the, the the film crew guys, the the makeup lady, and the, there's different people. You know, just I feel like we're getting these little cameos throughout the season of characters that have been on the show before. They tend to do that in final seasons of a show. Um, yeah, but I like that I like they're that taking film their time. Crew. Yeah, no, they're <laughs> I fun. Enjoy the film crew, yes. I like it when he's got them with him and he's like being the visionary director. It's a fun... Absolutely. Like there is that alternate version of the show that's just like a case of the week show that could have yeah. been fun to see with, the, with the, the humor of this show. But I guess I'm glad that they did something that was deeper than that because it's the reason why you can actually talk like this about it. Um, I don't know if there's much else to say about Jimmy and Kim. Uh, we should move on to Lalo, but there's one other thing I want to say, actually. Omaha Beach. Uh, I liked that reference. Uh, he says, let's go somewhere. She says, where? Omaha Beach. And it's, we've seen, uh, there's been maybe one other scene that's set outside uh, uh, the Hamlin, Hamlin and McGill. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've seen that boardroom from the inside many times, but this was a great moment between the two of them, a kind of warm, kind of romantic moment, but also kind of an evil moment that you would have like a picnic at night outside your enemy's (laughs) house after comparing it to (laughs) Omaha beach, which is, you know, one of the bloodiest, one of the biggest losses of lives in a single uh, like battle or whatever. Uh, It's a sea landing. Um, But it's come to mean like, this is the, a last stand kind of push, you know? And uh, I also thought about how Omaha is where the Cinnabon is that Gene works for. Oh yeah. And this year, uh, this year in this episode, we also got a um, a close the up back of, the, of so the, the license plate, yeah, which reminds Nebraska. us we knew that mm-hmm. she was from Nebraska. Well, I looked it up. She is from Red Cloud, Nebraska, which mm-hmm. is three hours from Omaha. Interesting. So in this episode, they're reminding us of that, and they're referring to Omaha. I'm just saying, I feel like they they're they're very they're very shrewd. These writers, I think they are trying to make us. 
they don't want you to be confused. They want you to find things mysterious, but not confounding. And I think they are right. making us feel that maybe there is some kind of, you know, my pet theory long has been that there's some chapter set in that, in that gene portion of the story that's mm. going to, that's going to be rewarding and maybe be that's where we can see any kind of redemption for this guy who we know doesn't have redemption soon because right. at the time of Breaking Bad, he's at the very least suggesting you, you kill people on a regular basis, which it still doesn't seem like our Jimmy to do that, but I could see right. him doing that if he felt like this is the performance I have to give to survive. Yeah. So, um, but I know, I, I, what do you make of all that? Do you think maybe there's a future for uh, Jimmy and Kim in the, in the post breaking bad part of the story? Or do you think, uh, think that's too hopeful for me to, to want to see that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it may be too hopeful. I, but you know, since you brought that up, it makes me think that maybe that's where she is. Maybe that's where she is right now. Um, she could go back home. I mean, where would you yeah, go if I you think were ruined? And, and especially since she always spoke so negatively about home. Um, and I think that, um, I think that she doesn't end up on, on, you know, in, in the best position. And I think what could actually be worse than, than jail for her is probably going back home and going back to that hometown that she kind of grew up in because she, whenever she kind of presented it, she was just like, you know, it's just some throwaway town. It's just, you know, and I think that's why I've been so interested just to kind of find a little bit more about her um, to kind of really see how bad it was, where she was, where she was from. But at least in her, um, how she views it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's basically, it feels like it's like the worst place to be. So I think yeah. that might be her, you know, you know, her, her death in a sense is going back home. Yeah. Well, um, I might be wrong about this, but at the end of the episode, I don't think there was any music that came up right after mm-hmm. it went to the, the, you know, the credits. It right. went to black and we didn't get music. And I think the show reserves, usually that happens when something, when somebody dies or something really big happens on the show. So Kim mm-hmm. turning around, if, if, if they're saying that's, this is the end of her, her law career, maybe, maybe, maybe this is the moment that could ruin her to the point where the only place she would just kind of slink off once she came to kind of lick her wounds, maybe. But if that puts her yeah. within three hours of Jimmy, who's also kind of ruined and hiding, um, you, yeah. know, you know, maybe, maybe I'll finally get my romantic uh, ending that I've wanted. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so let's talk a little bit about Lalo and how scary he is. What did you What did you think of that? I, I felt like this was one of those things where you can sort of see what Lalo's plan is from last time. You can guess that maybe he's going after Werner's boys to find out uh-huh. what they were doing. Um, what do you think of all that? Were, were you fooled when they said, uh, get proof, and Lalo said, all right, I know what I'm going to do. Did you think he was going to get proof that it was Gus who took out the hit on his compound, or did, did you know maybe there was something else going on? Obviously, he's trying to prove that Gus is building a super lab. He's trying to, you know out him basically to the Salamancas. <clears throat> yeah. So I wasn't thinking this, I wasn't thinking that he was going to go after Werner's people. That wasn't where my mind was thinking when they told him to get proof. I thought he was, I thought it was the race to get Nacho. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Nacho was taken, you know, when Nacho took himself out um, and he was still going to get, get his proof, um, you know, I was just one, I was thankful that Werner's widow survived. Yes. I was very happy about that. Um, and but you know, and her dog <laughs> and her dog. Yes. Um, so, um, you know, so him kind of going after to really figure out what is being built. Um, now I don't know. I, I'm, I'm guessing he's probably going to get this information from this gentleman that he just hacked his leg. Um, <laughs> I was, I said, you know, I was sitting there. I was just like the man had the right instincts about this. 
about this man coming after him. He just, he just, he just wasn't fast enough. He just, you know, he's Lalo, you know, he's the Terminator. So <laughs> um, it's, it was, I felt really, you know, I felt bad. I felt bad for, um, for that German gentleman because it's, you know, it's, it's basically over, you know? Right. Um, and so I really thought that, um, and, and I'm, you know, each week they're just kind of giving you just a little bit of Lalo, just seeing him just do these one, like these um, kind of like one step closer to wherever he's trying to get to, obviously to find out about the super lab and stuff like that. But his obsession with it, I mean, it's been since, you know, he, he really got to town, you know, since they brought him in there and he's really trying to figure out what, what was going on. It's he, he just will, will not let it go to just find out what, what is Gus doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, uh, it's scary to watch. Like, it's just to kind of watch him kind of take, you know, looking, you know, finding that one little piece of that award that they gave him the ruler that they put, um, that they kind of turned into an award to give to his wife. Um, um, all of that stuff that they kind of did to kind of these little hints of what's going on under, um, what Gus is doing. I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just sitting here just kind of watching this whole thing happen. And, and I, it just, I'm just kind of on the edge because every time Lalo pops up, I'm always afraid when Lalo pops up. That's yeah. that's just the way it is. I'm just like, you know, he's uh, it's funny because who's the what's the cousin name the um the other Salamanca that's in jail right now? Tuco. Um, Tuco. So it's just you know Tuco's crazy too. Um, don't get me wrong, but it always it just made me feel about um. I mean, this very Game of Thrones, but it's like almost like Joffrey and and um, and uh, now my mind is blinking. Uh, uh, what well, Ramsey? Ramsey. So it's like it's it's always the devil that you know, right? And so then somebody else comes along that's like that. It, at least in that moment, feels worse than the person that you already knew. You know, mm-hmm. that's how I feel about Lalo. Lalo is like Ramsey to me. So it's just like he just stresses me out. <laughs> Every single time. He feels scary because we don't know what he does. We don't know what happens to him. In some ways, he's vulnerable the way that Kim is vulnerable because he can Mm -hmm. actually die. But there's some part of me that thinks if he turns out to be the sort of overarching bad guy who goes into that that Omaha phase of the story that I hope has some development in it. You know, I would love it if there was some, if there was some of that level of scariness going into that. But I could also view them, I could see them easily saying, okay, Lalo's part of the, like, that it's maybe Gus's job to take out Lalo or something that they're going to be a, right. a show down there. Similar to what I thought with Nacho, you could see how Nacho would play into all these grand schemes. And then they, they dealt with them in a very like, like, Oh, this is the storyline. We kind of, sometimes they, they surprise you by doing what they, they seemed like they were going to do. And Lalo and you know, right. like Nacho dying that way was like, Oh, it seems like he's headed for a, a, an easy quick death and not an easy death, but a quick death. And that's what happened, you know? So they don't always surprise you. I was upset about that too. I really, I was hoping that Nacho survived and he was kind of in the background of, um, of uh, Breaking Bad and, you know, was somewhere else kind of going around, but unfortunately that's not how it worked. (laughs) I think they at least let him go out in the kind of 
memorable blaze of glory kind of way that a character like that can go out. A guy who runs yeah. out of options and still does something on his own terms. But Absolutely. if anything bad happens to his dad, that's when it will become like a needless tragedy. So I, yeah, that's yeah. another thing. I don't know. Are we going to see the Salamancas? Are they going to, you know, are they going to try to break that promise? They didn't make that promise anyway. So that's true. Um, yeah. But it seems like that could be a final thing for Mike to deal with would be like the one last thing we see him do would be to you know protect nacho's dad i could see them doing yeah. that but they're running out of time aaron they're running out of time they to are. do any of this stuff <laughs> and they don't move fast uh so i guess next week that's the season break there's about a month off after next week so this is where we're gonna i think we're gonna not get much resolution but i do think we'll know what what the plan was and how it went um and we may even see how it how it takes down howard or how it takes down kim or or something like that but yeah, I'm excited to see what happens, but I, I'm I'm sad to see what's going to happen to Kim and Howard, to be completely honest. Um, right. You know, so we'll see what happens, but it's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I know it has to happen. I know it's I know it's coming. I'm just going to sit and sit and watch what they do. And, you know. Or poor Kim and Howard, but Kim made her decision. Though. Kim had an out. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So. Well, I mean, what, what, what did Jimmy say when they were leaving that morning? He said, uh, victory in Santa Fe, victory in Albuquerque, you know, yes. and it's not going to be victory in Santa Fe anymore. It might be victory in Albuquerque, but I don't see that. Somehow I don't see it being a victorious turn, uh, but <laughs> but who knows what will happen. Neither do I, yeah. Especially because Howard has had, has been following him the whole time, so we don't even know how much... Um, his private investigator has been watching these last few, you know, few days of, of their kind of putting things together. They're not even aware of that right now. So right. Um, if you have anything else to say, uh, now's the time to say it. Otherwise, we can uh, just kind of simmer in a sense of dread for another week. <laughs> I think that's it for me, but thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No, this was super fun. This may have been the longest that you and I have talked exclusively to each other. <laughs> I, think, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, I'll see you on Omaha Beach. <laughs> for more episodes of Saul Searching, as well as other podcasts like it, follow FYIZ on your favorite podcatcher app. 